What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had an interview with one of the best 52 kg lifters in the world, Sophia Rizzuto. Excellent interview with her. She talked about how she got her start in powerlifting and fitness, of course, but also her performance at Raw Nationals, her thoughts on the officiating, her thoughts on her performance as itself, her goals in the sport moving forward, her thoughts on water cutting, we play word association, we talk about the most annoying things powerlifters say and do, terrific interview, and there was a whole lot more in the interview as well, but terrific interview with Sophia. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Guys, girls, visit Rivalus.net. Use promo code ANGELO15 and get 15% off of your proteins, creatine, pre-workout, branching amino acids, any merchandise, you name it. Use promo code ANGELO15 and you will save some money by getting 15% off. Also, visit 2 Visit the online store. Visit the blog. But without further ado, here is 2 White Lights. It is Friday, November 1st. Once again, I am really tired because I procrastinated and forgot to edit this podcast until almost midnight. So my mistake, but I just edited a really good episode of Two White Lights because I interviewed Sophia Rizzuto. Terrific, awesome interview with her. Um, You heard in the introductions, you know, all the accolades, all the things we talk about. I think I failed to mention that we talk about her deadlift and that technique as well that she has. And I'm a huge admirer of her deadlift technique and her as a lifter. So I'm just going to get right to it. Here's our interview with Sophia Rizzuto. And as promised, I got with me via FaceTime from New York, correct? Yeah. Brooklyn. No shit. <laughs> you must be knee deep in hipsters. Yeah. Are you, yeah, are you just like, oh, he has a mustache. Perfect. I'm so used to this. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but I'm actually in part of Brooklyn that's a little bit different, um, so there's, like, a whole half of it that's, like, a Jewish community, and then the other half is, like, a Caribbean community. <laughs> so it's, like, a mix. Yeah. The hipsters are, like, a little bit further north. <laughs> I'm still used to it, though. Yeah, usually you want to stay away as, as far away as possible from them. But you are talking to a guy with a curly mustache, so I guess you couldn't avoid it for long. But I got with me one of the better 52 kg lifters in the world, USAPL, IF, IPF lifter, Sophia Rizzuto, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm not bad, I'm not bad. The first thing I actually want to mention is the beauty of social media, people hate it, people love it, I'm on the side where I love social media because of stuff like this. I was just through my Explore page once, and I saw a really good upright deadlift with a wide stance, and I noticed a considerable amount of weight on the bar. I was like, holy shit, this is one of the best deadlifts I've ever seen. Technique-wise, and it's also good when weight is accompanied with the technique. So, started following you, and I like I like your Instagram, too. It's funny. Thank you. You Thank talk you. a lot of shit sometimes, and it's really cool. I know. I appreciate that. It's like 
half of people get it and half of people don't. And like most of the time it's just a joke. And then some people will like think I'm actually seriously like an asshole in person and I'm really not. It's just like Instagram is funny to me. So I just like play into it. Yeah. And you do it well. Um, and this is kind of the direction that two white lights goes in. I talk to people that I just want to talk to and great lifters, but also a personality to back it up. And that is why we're having you on the show. Great lifter. And I think you can give a pretty good conversation. So the typical introduction question, which always happens with first time interviews, how did you get your start in powerlifting and fitness? Give like uh, the origin story of Sophia. Okay, cool. Um, so I definitely wasn't into powerlifting like immediately. I started like working out probably for the same reason that like most girls do because they like either want to lose weight or just like look better. Yeah, pretty much the same thing with guys too. Yeah, that's true. Um, I started working out in my own basement at my parents because I was like too scared to go to a gym at first <laughs> and I didn't want to like do anything wrong. And, like, look stupid. So I used, like, all the stuff that my dad had because my dad used to go to the gym a lot. And he actually – he didn't powerless per se, but, like, he was definitely interested in, like, strength and, like, the strength that bodybuilders, I guess, would do where they would, like, do, like, really heavy squats and, like, heavy deadlifts and stuff. So he was, like, interested in that. So he had some stuff at home that I could use. So I started doing that. And then when I finally, like, felt like I was doing everything correctly, I, like, started going to the actual gym. Yeah, I was just doing, like, more bodybuilding-style stuff. And I guess I was getting, like, most of my information off of, like, T-Nation and stuff. Like, Oh, that's – I, I still do my mobility routines from T-Nation. Yeah, I was, like – the research that I was finding online, I wasn't really, like, specifically looking into anything for women. I was just kind of, like, looking at working out in general, and that's sort of, like – bulk of the information on the internet is like focused towards like men so it's like I learned like that that's what you were supposed to do like you're supposed to do a compound lift and then like your accessories after and so I was doing that but like I obviously didn't really know about powerlifting and like I wasn't going really like super heavy but I was definitely pushing like the compound lift I used to always squat and I used to bench either I would do like flat like dumbbell press or like actual bench press so I always did that and uh, <laughs> I guess I continued doing that into college. It wasn't until uh, my first year of college when I started going to the school gym that I met some people there that were doing powerlifting. And, like, I didn't know what it was at all. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, there was a guy with, like, four plates on the bar, and I'd never seen that, like, at all. <laughs> and I was, like, so impressed. And I remember, like, taking out my phone and, like, calculating, like, how much weight that was because I didn't even know, like, that you could – go that high so I was just like amazed and I started like becoming friends with the two dudes that were doing that there and they noticed that I was like quote-unquote strong for like someone who was just like a random person in the gym and like a girl at that too because like at the school gym it's like all cardio equipment and there was like one squat rack and two benches and it was just like a really bad environment for that but all the girls would be like on the treadmills and like ellipticals and I went to an art school, so, like, sports stuff is not, not popular. <laughs> so they were just impressed by me also, like, the same way that I was with them. So we came close, and one of them actually said that he wanted to do a local meet, and he would only do it if I did it too. 
and I didn't want to be an asshole and be like, well, you can't do it because I don't want to do it. So I just did it with him. And yeah, I think that was my first meet ever. And I totaled something really bad. And my Wilkes was like two ninety nine, I think. Uh, yeah, I got your numbers right here. You nailed yeah, it. You can see everything. <laughs> you can see everything. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I started in USAPL, so all my information is in the database. Like, you can see mm-hmm. exactly where I started. So, yeah, I think my books was two ninety nine. So, I definitely got started in it with the influence of some other people. But I was definitely, like, interested in it because I always thought that's what you would, like, you were supposed to do anyway. And then when I found out that you didn't have to do so many, like, I don't want to say you don't have to do accessories because that's not true, but I don't know. I was just kind of amazed at structuring your workout around like these certain lifts instead of like a body part. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that just really interested me. And I finally like went for it full force and I like didn't stop after that beat. So yeah. Yeah. The trajectory seems to be the same for a lot of powerlifters. And I'm always fascinated when they get to a high level because very similar with me, my friend forced me to do it. My friend was like, dude, you're strong do this meet with me. And I had like, it was like six weeks out. I'm like, all right, fine. And I was like, I just, I'll, I'll do it. But I'm, I'm assuming your father was Italian or is Italian. Oh yeah. Okay. There is always just some random workout equipment in every Italian person's basement. That's true. I agree. Like either a makeshift bench or like one piece of equipment or like weird dumbbells just scattered around. There's always some sort of workout equipment. And in my opinion, it's because of Rocky. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. It was probably a huge inspiration to like our older generations of Italians. Yeah, because yeah. everyone, they like even my father and like all my relatives, they had some sort of dumbbells in their basement, and they all like like you guys don't need to dress in the gray sweatsuit when you work out, but they did it. And... They did it anyway. My dad did that. <laughs> so gray sweat. I mean, gray sweatsuit. It w- yeah. Rocky wore that, and Rocky won and two. So oh, yeah. there's, yeah, there's definitely like this. If you see an Italian powerlifter, just know they probably got into lifting because of Rocky Balboa. And it has like yeah. its origin in the seventies. See that? Yeah. But yeah, and my dad was really into Franco Colombo. Yeah, I yeah. When I watched uh, Pumping Iron with a kid with my brother. That was, when I saw him move a car, I was like, this guy's incredible. And yeah. when he told me he was Italian, I'm like, oh, perfect. That's yeah. that's my favorite person now. Yeah, and I think he was on the shorter side, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And my dad's pretty short, and I'm very short. So well, <laughs> he was definitely, like, looking up to him, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Italians, breaking 5'10 is pretty impressive. Joey yeah. Flex is pretty big. He's a tall I, dude. I think he's around five ten. Yeah. Oh no. To me, that's a giant. <laughs> that's a that's oh, yeah, a that's a that's a that's a massive human being. My brother is yeah, six foot. He is a, he is a giant to me. I don't know yeah. how it feels to be that tall. And really, he's like yeah, average height, technically. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm five one. I actually measured sort of recently because um, I always thought I was five feet, but I think I got a little taller. I'm actually five one. So. Nice. Yeah. Put yeah, that on your resume. Know. Five one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I should put it in my Instagram bio. <laughs> well, right next to your Wilkes or what federation you compete in or your IPF points, um, yeah. and the fact that you're drug tested lifter. That is. Yeah, and I, my bio also says vegan, so 
I was I was about yeah I was about to say I'm like you have vegan already on there might as well just throw your Wilkes and IPF score on there too you know yeah exactly what USAPL lifters need is <laughs> an exact explanation on what yeah. exactly they do and the specifics of it as well um, yeah no good good old USAPL <laughs> speaking of USAPL you just did Raw Nationals um, I had the pleasure of watching it was right after my competition so I was fully involved in that competition and i'm not going to sugarcoat it you expressed disappointment with your performance so why why exactly did you feel disappointed with the meet um yeah i mean i definitely still am a bit disappointed um but i kind of am at the point where i'm like over it and just ready to go on to the next one i definitely sulked for a while (laughs) um I was disappointed because I had really high expectations going into it um, with the way that my prep ended. I really expected a lot more. And I also was like, I had a lot of pressure from other people as well. Um, with people like, people were like noticing at the end of my prep how, how well specifically I was doing, like leading into the meet. And so I was constantly getting people telling me like, oh, like you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You're going to like, you might be, Marisa Inda, you might, like, all this shit. And then, like, on the King of the List podcast, like, they were also, like, I think Sophia might have the highest squad of everyone in the 52s. So there's, like, all this, like, stuff going on that was, like, so much pressure on me. So I also, like, obviously wanted to, like, live up to that. So the fact that I didn't is also, like, pretty disappointing. But just in terms of, like, my own expectations, I definitely, like, didn't expect to almost bomb out on squats. So that's kind of like a kick in the stomach. So yeah, just disappointing because something that I wasn't expecting to happen, but at the same time, like nothing is really guaranteed. You can't go in there thinking like X, Y, Z is definitely going to happen. So part of it is on me to just like take what I get and like work with it. So I'm also a little bit disappointed that I couldn't do that and still execute to a higher standard, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be why. Yeah, and I, I, I echoed this throughout Raw Nationals with people that I've conversed with and met a lot of really amazing lifters, and I came to the conclusion that if I throw a stone at this place, I'm going to hit someone with who didn't perform up to their expectations. And I, I tried to articulate that to other people, and I realized that just me saying these things doesn't help at all. Because that is the mindset. That's the mindset that they have. Because um, I was speaking to some uh, just really good lifters, and I, even uh, Noriega. Like I really like Noriega's. I really like him as a person, as a lifter. I wanted to see him after and congratulate him. And you know, he he was disappointed. Then I talked to Marcus. He was disappointed. I was like, yeah. is anyone like happy right now? And then I realized like, like a rough session. Yeah, that, that primetime session specifically, a lot of people were like very disappointed. I feel like mm-hmm. the people that did well were like ecstatic, and it was just this weird clash of like I hate my life and I love my life like all together. Yeah, and then and like the people who did well like finished sixth or third. They didn't really finish first or anything. There was a few uh, like I think Heather can say she had a phenomenal meet, okay. nine for nine, did incredible, and Marissa did a, a eight for nine meet, also incredible, and then but with the eighty threes. The guys who I talked to afterwards who seemed the most happy were... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jamar. Jamar. Yeah, Jamar. Jamar was... 
Yeah, he and I, I went to go backstage because I wanted to. I again love him as a lifter, love him as a person. Wanted to just hang out with him, and he was he was ecstatic. My friend Carson, he was very happy about his performance. Yeah. But then the people who finished like first and second were like kind of bummed out. Like, man, that is some mindset you have to have at this point, where you're bummed out for going. And I and I tried to echo that, dude. It's hard to be good. It's just really hard to always be good at a sport. And yeah. if you, you could see, you could say that with every athlete. You can say that, but then when I echoed that to people, especially Marcus, he was like, "Dude, it's like I felt like I underperformed the last three meets." I was like, "Gosh, yeah. I, you know, I'm just gonna keep my fucking mouth shut because I don't even know what to say anymore." <laughs> yeah, I think it's also just like time sensitive too. Like right after it happens, you kind of feel like. Like, it's so, it's so disappointing in that moment that, like, nothing really will make you feel better about it because you had all these crazy, like, expectations for yourself and you were, like, really building up to it for so long because, like, that's is such a huge thing. It's, like, literally right after the last Nationals end, you're, like, okay, like, I'm ready for next year. Like, it's a whole year of, like, working your ass off to get there. So it's just so hard when, like, that's your one chance to like do it and then it doesn't end up the way you wanted so like a lot of people were messaging me like right after because a lot of people were watching i wasn't expecting like that many people to like reach out to me and i really appreciate that like when lots of people like they were like really like trying to make me feel better about it and it was really nice but at the same time like it wasn't like i can't just feel better about it you know because like, lots of people were saying, well, you still did good because, like, you're this far, you made it to prime time and, like, all these things. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely true, and I'm definitely, like, happy with that. But that's not what I – like, I wasn't just going to be happy with placing, like, where I did just because I got into prime time or something. Like, it's just hard to – it's hard to, like, shake yourself out of that mindset, like, right when it happens. But then if you, like – if you're talking to me right now, like, I'm okay with it now. But it's, like, how many weeks since – you know, <laughs> it's like really hard. Yeah, I, I, and I, I've seen that before with my friends and other people I've known where they had a bad meet. I'm like, do I, you know, address it? Do I comment on something? Do I tell them like, hey man, keep your head up? Then I go on Instagram and everyone's saying that, and then their DMs are probably like, yo man, keep your head up. You're gonna kill it next time. This only, it only adds fuel to the fire and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, take this as a learning experience. All great athletes feel. I'm trying to think of cliches as I'm talking to you right now, but. Yeah. I, and I was like at a point that's just nauseating and people don't want to hear it because that doesn't make anything better. Yeah. And did, did at a point, did you get sick of people messaging you? Yeah. Um, a lot of it was happening like literally immediately after. And like, I was really upset after and I actually went in the bathroom and I was like, I just wanted to like be by myself. So I was, like, in the stall by myself. My phone was just blowing up, and I was, like, reading all these messages. And it was, like, oh, you did so great. Like, I'm still proud. Like, you're still strong, all this shit. And I, I, I was, like, responding. But then at one point, I just, like, it was too overwhelming for me. And I just, I started opening them to get rid of the notifications but then not answering people. And, like, I felt really bad about it after because I left a lot of people, like, with no response. But, like, I just couldn't look at it anymore because it was, like, too much for me to, like, I just, like, I didn't want to think about it anymore. So, I definitely got, like, a bit sick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll probably be singing a different tune myself. If One, this is my very first Raw Nationals. I was nervous about it, but wasn't on primetime. Very first competition, and I kind of performed up to my expectation, which I knew I wasn't going to be top 10 
or top five even. And I was like, all right, I did what I needed to do, and I was happy afterwards. But, you know, if I would have performed to way lower my expectations, probably would have been down on myself. Probably wouldn't have gone to primetime the same day. So, yeah, I think you're going to you're gonna change your opinion once you kind of experience it. And I, I just noticed, like, a common trend, you know. Lifter does poor, people start messaging, way too many people start messaging, way too many people start commenting, way too many, way too many people start, like, taking your side on things, which is good, but to a point where it's like, alright, dude, like, we're repeating the same shit that I just said. We don't have to keep on going in this circle. And I noticed that with with judging with you, with your squat, a lot of people were commenting on it to a point where I was like, alright, I think people get the point. Yeah. Um, I had, like, a lot of the messages that I were getting were people saying that, like, they don't know why the squats did the pass, and they all looked pretty good, and, like, all the shit, and I was like, I know, but they didn't pass, like, so, I don't know, like, I, I can't fix that, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, like, I feel really bad also, like, telling people to not do that, because I do appreciate it, and then when I go back later, when I, like, feel a little bit more calm about it, I go back later and I'm like, wow, it's so nice that all these people like really want to see me like do well and like they actually like support me. So I don't want to like, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a bad thing, but it's definitely like probably on me to just remove myself from the situation and not really like go on my Instagram like after just so I can like process everything. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't want to tell people to not do that, but you know. Yeah. And like, yeah, I talked at the beginning of the show, like, the good things social media to the bad things. Like, a good thing could turn into a bad thing, and I occasionally yeah. that happens. Um, if I'm going to use my own example, the people were messaging like crazy after my deadlift, and I had to explicitly tell them that I didn't lock out my deadlift. And they were disagreeing with me. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> me, and you're you. I didn't lock yeah. out my deadlift, and you didn't deadlift. <laughs> I I know I know my like I think if you're if I, if there's a good authority figure to ask if I lock out my deadlift I'm the fucking guy like me yeah, that's that's that me. guy so yeah. and I was like but they're you know they're 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 trying to be nice and you don't want to get into that like yeah. just an ego battle with someone over the internet yeah it's touchy but speaking of that um, judging how USAPL gets a bad rap for judging I went on the show and said that. I thought it was fairly consistent, but in all sports, you're going to get bad calls. What did you feel the judging on? And and me saying judging was good is going to be totally different from you because I was on one of five platforms. You were on one platform. So mm-hmm. it's it's going to be not the same. But yeah. your opinion, what, what did you feel the judging? Um, I do think, like, okay, it's one thing to be, like, for it to be bad calls. And another for it to be consistent, but like it's not. They can be consistently bad. Yeah. Like they're not mutually exclusive. So I think I don't think they were all bad. I think there were a couple very like blatant bad ones, like Jasmine Penn. That was terrible. Yeah, I (laughs) I got up from I've people on the show are probably sick of me hearing it, but I was the drunkest I was was at that um that the that prime time session. And I just screamed at the judges from the first row that it was fucking bullshit. 
and I was just thinking, like, oh, I'm going to get kicked out of a USAPL meet, and I'm not even competing yeah. right now. They don't really like cursing like that, so... They don't really like m- many things, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so I would say there definitely were a lot of, like, well, I wouldn't say a lot. There's not that many that I can think of off the top of my head, but definitely I think that call for 2010 was the worst one that I saw. Um, and there were definitely, like, some strange ones, like... I don't know how you feel about Heather Connor's deadlift, but I wasn't so sure that it would have passed. I um I said on my recap that I red lighted it watching it again, but in person I was just kind of so amazed that she was able to stick with it and it looked more so like she was way uneven and I thought yeah. at the time like I don't think I saw any up and down movement and then I saw the replay I was like okay, there was some yeah. definite up and down movement. I think- I had seen, like, a slow motion of it, too. So, I, I don't know if she had posted the slow motion or somebody posted. But, yeah, so things like that. But I can see how, like, it's really hard to tell in the moment, and the judges really only have that. They don't mm-hmm. have, like, something to check back on. So, yeah, I don't know. I felt kind of like a lot of the judging was consistently strict. If that, yeah. So I think it was consistent in that way, but I think it was extra strict. Um, for the sake of being strict, you mm-hmm. know, just for like living up to the USAPL, like being so like anal about everything. Um, because I've like, I don't want to just use myself as an example here, but, um, I like have never really had any issues with death on squats. So it was kind of like weird to me, but I was noticing that a lot of squats that were narrow stance were getting death calls. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they were being really strict, but not necessarily, like, the best about it in terms of, like, checking also people's, like, anatomy. Like, there's so many factors that go into, like, determining, like, what is within the rules and what isn't. And for my second to third attempt on squat, the only thing that I changed, really, that I could tell a difference was I lifted my belt higher. Um, I had talked to Joey after my second which was a weird call because my second squat, I actually got called for missing a command. I noticed. I noticed that when I was in the sand, I was. Yeah. I was looking. I'm like, I, I, I white lighted your squats just from where I was uh, standing and from what I saw in the jumbotron. But then me and my friend noticed that you were you, you missed a command. I'm like, oh, I yeah, never felt so, like I've seen that before. Yeah. I, apparently. Um, the head referee had given me a re-rack command instead of a start command. Oh. And I didn't, I guess it's, it's on me. I really should be, like, looking. But I wasn't looking directly at her. I was just using my peripheral to, like, hear a word and then also watch her hand move. Um, but I guess I just saw, like, a movement and assumed it was a start instead of, like, actually looking at her to see what she said. So, yeah. So apparently that was that. But then the two side judges also gave me reds for death. Like, they gave me the red ones. So that was a little confusing to me because I don't know if the side refs even knew about the re-rack commands, too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And the marshal didn't know either. We, like, asked him about it, and he's like, I didn't hear. <laughs> Sorry. Oh so, yeah, so we weren't really sure about that. But so after that attempt, Joey had pulled me, to, like, to the side in the back, and he was like, move your belt up. I feel like you're just not thinking it because you're hitting your belt 
and like we tried that and I feel like I didn't actually change much about my like actual list but that one passed so I think some of the judging was a little weird like because I wasn't really changing the way that I squatted it was just it looked a little bit more convincing because my belt wasn't really low because I normally wear it very low so yeah I think it was inconsistent in that way where it wasn't like on par with what the rules should be mm-hmm. but it was consistently strict okay so. Yeah, I said that in the past before about USAPL. And because people talk, they, they emphasize consistency. And I think that they are consistent. And I think if you're comparing it to other federations, I think they are more yeah. consistent than USPA and APF. I've seen that before. Yeah. But I also make the argument, it's like, well, if you're not following the rules, then I don't care how consistent you are. If you're not following yeah. the rules. That's, that's even, in, in many ways, it's worse. If you're yeah. doing that, um, and I always use the baseball analogy, and I again have to find other analogies because not everyone that listens to the show watches baseball. But it's like it's same thing, like an umpire not giving a call on a strike, and it's like, well, at least he's consistent. It's like, well, it doesn't make it any less of a strike. Like the yeah. guy now has to completely change how he pitches. Um, and I actually think our sport is. Could be closer to having like a technical technological innovation where we can oh, yeah. judge depth. Baseball, impossible. There's a union. Yeah. There's like all these things. Like I think a lot of the USAPL judges would like there to be some sort of help. Yeah. Because it's you know you're not you're not getting paid a whole ton of money to be a USAPL official. Yeah, and also I feel like just in terms of instead of there being like I mean there there definitely could eventually be some sort of model to follow with that. But I also think it would just be helpful to have, like, a replay thing for the jury, like, for when people actually do decide to, mm-hmm. like, contest something, rather than the jury just being, like, in the same real time as the regular referees. Mm-hmm. It would be cool if there was, like, a replay option, the same way it is on the live stream, but for them to, like, actually assess it and, like, you know, like, scrub through it so they can, like, <laughs> slow it down a little bit and see. Yeah, so, I, that I, I agree, and I think the jury is actually one thing the USAPL does really, really well. Having that jury can overturn some, you know, poor calls, and that's that's why it's there. And a replay yeah. would make it more efficient because, and I'm going to use Heather's deadlift, for example. I honestly believe, this is just a complete speculation, that the two side judges couldn't see up and down movement because Heather is so small. It's very yeah, hard to see... Possible from that angle it's very hard to see that she's that uneven too so if she actually evens herself out you can't really see up and down movement only thing you can see is maybe ramping or hitching and even that is iffy but up and down movement i don't think those two side judges can see it now i do believe if she was fighting for a first place um or a gold medal position someone may have challenged the call yeah, if it was 50 yeah. 50 i would i mean if i was a competitor i totally would have like hey you guys sure about that let's get because i think the jury has the best view of up and down movement but there was really no reason to challenge her deadlift like it was yeah. she yeah. had first place pretty much wrapped up and it was you know at that point it's kind of a dick move if you do challenge it because it's like a world record attempt but yeah yeah but yeah i completely agree with that so What's next then? You did Raw Nationals, um, disappointed in your performance, but, you know, like they always say, there's way more competitions and some high-profile competitions. Yeah. Um, so my original plan was 
if I did what was expected at Raw Nationals, which was to total like 20 kilos more than I actually totaled, um, I was just going to like literally take the whole year until next year's Nationals. Um, that was my original plan because I also like have this chronic thing that I deal with like in my upper back and it just like gets a lot worse during meat prep because of like just the sheer like amount of work that I have to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely wanted to take some time off for that. But now that I'm really disappointed and I want to fix it, I want to do the Arnold just to like redeem myself. And I also feel like there's enough time there that I would be okay. And then also enough time between then and the next nationals that it would be like a good quote unquote off season in between then. So yeah, I definitely want to do the Arnold. I'm going to try to get into the pro American. Um, but if not, then I will try again for the raw challenge because <laughs> they're at two different times. So we'll see what happens. But it's Friday. This Friday. Yeah. Uh, my friend told me to get on that immediately for the pro American. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really still do hate that it's first come first serve kind of thing, but there, there's no other way to do it because if that's the case, then there's gonna be thousands of lifters, very similar to raw nationals, if not more. I could actually make an argument that it'll be like just the same amount with a smaller space. So I understand why it's there. Yeah. So I'm kind of already having high anxiety signing up on time. Um, I know. Now yeah. I have to really you get autofill. Your, yeah, you have to set up your autofill. Um, yeah, if you get to the PayPal part, that means you made it. So yes, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so. Um, oh, I think it's at night, so that's kind of nice. It's not during the day when you're like working or anything. So yeah, it's at, like 10 p.m. I think. Yeah, but, uh, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern. Friday, so you can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. That's fine though. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, um, I guess yeah, you can sign up on time. If not, raw power challenge, but um. Yeah, that's uh, any any numbers in mind then? Is it the same goal for nationals? That twenty kilo jump? Um, yeah, I honestly would be satisfied with just putting up what I actually expected out of myself this time. Um, there are some things that I did really well. I think for raw nationals, I like finally feel like I mastered my cut. Um, so I just really like I just need more practice with that and. Yeah, my my real goal would be to, like, push my numbers for nationals again. So mm-hmm. if I could just match what my water cut. <laughs> um, I was having lots of issues with it before. I would, like, every time I would try to rehydrate, I would throw up. So, <laughs> yeah, I was, like, it was just really bad. I have a sensitive stomach, and, like, putting in that much salt and, like, carbs immediately, just, like, my stomach just kind of, like, rejected it. But I felt like I actually, like, did a really good job this time around, and I didn't throw up. That was the first time ever doing a cut that I didn't throw up. (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely want to, like, just get more practice in with that, be able to do it and, like, not make myself sick and then perform well with that. So, yeah, I would be happy matching everything and then just being able to work until nationals and then put up bigger numbers then. That's the plan. Yeah, and I see that's the same thing that a lot of people do is do two meets a year, especially if you're at the USAPL and at a higher level, and you definitely are. are. Um, yeah, and people describe the so the past like four, yeah, four guests that we have on do water cuts, and they're only giving me more reason not to do water cuts because <laughs> I I don't cut for meets, and I don't think I will because everyone tells me something different. Uh, Michael C said the same thing with his oh, yeah. water cut. Um, 
he doesn't know if exactly affected like that injury but i mean if you're gonna speculate it probably did and then uh ricky cho he's got a big water cut that he said he's like trying to figure out and he feels like he's gotten to the same point where he definitely figured out and right now everyone's just giving me more and more reason not to water cut so yeah it's honestly like to me that's like the worst part like every time i have to do it i'm just like i'm never fucking doing this again i hate this like i hate this sport this is so dumb and then it's fine so it's it's just like a grueling process and i always tell people too that are newer in powerlifting or like just interested in doing it like i just tell people to not unless they're like really at a level where it's extremely important that they are in a specific weight class for something like if you're breaking a record or you're trying to place you know like really high or for like prime time or something like stuff like that is when i think like a lifter who's been lifting for like maybe a couple years can definitely do it but yeah people that have just started and done like one or two meets and they're just competing locally and like trying to i don't know maybe qualify for nationals or something i'm like just don't save yourself like from the effort and the terrible things that come along yeah i've noticed those people really do kind of drop like flies when they try water cutting very early uh saw that with my very first competition i I attended like this beginner seminar for my first competition and i was like 174 competing at 181 so i was i was not cutting obviously and i knew i'm like i'm not cutting to 165 but then other people there were competing the same weight class they were like 190 and it was an obvious beginners meet because i'm attending a seminar for like how to power lift so um yeah and i've and uh, and no one no one who uh, had a water cut made it made it to the competition because the seminar was two weeks before so people do drop like flies when they try to do it super early don't try to be competitive i hate that like oh like i'm not competitive at 181 like Hell, I'm not competitive at 181. Yeah. I've been doing this for Nobody a long is. fucking time. <laughs> it's like, what's competitive, man? Like, I, I've been yeah. training for a really long time, and I'm not in the top 10 yet. So what's what? What, what are you talking about here with competitiveness? Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's that's pretty good advice. And yeah, uh, looking forward like, to see that too. Yeah, thank you. Um, I also just think people don't understand how, like, actually, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's pretty dangerous to do a water cut and it's very very like there's a science to it that like if you're just getting your basic information on how to water cut like online or something like you're not really going to like be able to understand what your body is doing and what you need it to do and like what will affect what so it's just very hard I really didn't like figure it out well enough other than like I mean the general understanding is like you drink lots of water you may be sodium load and then you cut it out and then you lose it. You know, that's like the basic understanding, but there's so much else that goes into it that I really didn't even know about until I had Sean Noriega actually help me. Um, he helped me with my last meet in March, which I did. It was just a local meet, but I did it to like bump my total up to get into prime time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the first time that I really had like this whole like scientific thing. And he was like coaching me through it. And I was like, holy fuck, like there's so much in- like that goes into this that like people just don't understand and it's just too much for beginners to understand so yeah it's definitely not something that you want to just mess around with yeah i agree and i've advised the same thing to many people and that's coming from a person who's never water, water cut it before 
Like, it's like, don't, just stay away from it. Because it is, it is, it is a very comforting feeling knowing that all you have to do on Nite is just lift weights. And especially us, because we have the same, we have same day weigh-ins. So, all we have to worry, so all, like, people who are light, granted, you know, we, people who are light typically don't perform as well as the people who do cut, but, you know, eventually, you might get there, you might not, but that's just kind of how the sport works and yeah. it, it is it is a good feeling though i will speak on experience that you will find it nice just to go to a competition and just lift weights yeah i used to do that before <laughs> i gained some weight i think i'm just at the point where i can't actually sustain like being at 114 mm-hmm. like healthily i would definitely like probably have a lot more injuries and stuff so that's when i think you know you need to start doing it then but if you can maintain at your weight class with no issues, then you should definitely do that, I would say. Yeah. So, is, will there be a... Will you change weight classes in the near future? Um, I wouldn't say near future. Definitely, like, eventually I probably would end up going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely don't feel like I'm done in this weight class yet. And I don't see myself having to, like, gain any weight. I'm really good, like, maintaining where I'm at now, which is, like, 118 around there. So... Yeah, I'm sure when I get older and my metabolism, like, starts to slow down, I'll probably have to, like, go up, but (laughs) for now, I'm good, so I won't, I'm not even really thinking about that until, like, I get to a certain point, maybe my cuts get too hard or something, and then, like, then I'll consider it, so it's definitely something that I will do eventually, but not anytime soon that I'm thinking of. All right, sounds good. So, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, your deadlift is phenomenal, excellent technique on your deadlift. And I'm always fascinated when it comes to people who have good technique because sometimes it was completely taught. They had dog shit technique, and then somebody came around and taught it to them. And then there's other people who just saw a bar, and they got into position, and they were always really good at it. So describe to me what you do to maintain that uh, technique. Um, I definitely would say that I learned myself, but it took so much time. Um, when I first started powerlifting, I didn't even know like what sumo was, so mm-hmm. I pulled conventional at the very beginning, and my conventional deadlift and my squat were the same weight for like forever, because my deadlift just like was not good at the beginning. <laughs> Nobody ever taught me how to even conventional deadlift, so it was still like not even good form then. And then uh, eventually, I decided. I think when I started with. Uh, or right before I started with Joey, I started pulling sumo. And I've been with Joey for a really long time now, so that was, like, a while ago. And I started very narrow because my hips just couldn't handle being really wide. Um, so it was, like, kind of like a hybrid stance, sort of like you, but, like, a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. And I just eventually, like, worked my way out. I think I was working, like, with my shins at the rings for a while, or, like, my feet at the rings. And then I was, I was like... I think it was nationals in Orlando where Matthew Aramony, I don't know if you know Snurr. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was he, like, speaking of weird deadlifts, Yeah, really wide deadlifts <laughs> and yeah. a weird squat too. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I remember, uh, nationals, I guess it was 2017, I think in Orlando. Um, I was talking to him more then and, I noticed like how wide his feet were and I just instead of inching my way out I just tried it and it felt so much better to me because um, I feel like I kind of have long legs for my size 
so it just felt way less uh part of my back to be pulling that way and I could actually like drive with my legs and not have to worry about like getting like tipped forward like like a conventional pull Mm -hmm. so yeah I just eventually like I I worked my way out and then one day I took a whole like jump out all the way to like my toes at the plates and like I never went back since then (laughs) um so that was like when it really started clicking for me and I felt like I just kept getting closer and closer to the bar and like very fingertip grip so that I could like just be, be in a better position and then I feel like my deadlift kind of got stronger and I wasn't able to like hold it that way anymore I was slipping so I had to like reevaluate at some point it's just so much trial and error there mm-hmm. and then um from from pulling so wide <laughs> and not really knowing what I was doing with my body then I developed like a lot of SI joint issues and I feel like that's really common with sumo pullers and I had to take like a couple months I actually stopped playing sumo for a couple months I want to say like last year it was after Worlds I was having pretty bad SI joint pain going into Worlds when I did it and then after Worlds I think I took like two or three months off playing sumo entirely and I came back it was still kind of there I finally saw this dude that I go to for like physiotherapy needs and he told me that a lot of the issue was because I was so externally rotated um, and I wasn't doing the opposite. So my SI joint was literally just like crunching itself when I was like trying to pull. And so it was like really painful. And since then I've understood the importance of doing the opposite of what the power lifts do. So you have to like also do like add up to work and you also have to reach instead of just protracting or uh, retracting and like depressing your shoulder blades. So like, Basically, ever since then, it's been a lot easier to, like, manage, like, any type of injury I get. But, yeah, I went through so much just trying to get my sumo to where it is now. And I finally, like, got to the point where it's actually progressing in numbers. My deadlift was always my weakest lift. And then I was, like, injured from it, too. So just kept getting postponed, like, just a, a good block of time where I could, like, get stronger with it. So I feel like now I'm finally at that point where, like, everything's under control and I can, like, actually push it down. So hopefully for nationals in uh, Daytona Beach in 2020, my deadlift will be significantly better. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah, and and that was the the thing that I saw was super wide but incredibly upright. And I've said this before. It's like the more upright you can be, the better you are going to be at deadlifting. Once you start using more of your back or just, like, too much of your back, you're – you know your body's not gonna be able to handle it and it is it's actually it makes sense that you just reference uh snur on that because that was the first thing i thought when i saw him deadlift like how my this guy has the widest stance i've ever seen and he is so perfectly upright the entire time amazing (laughs) so so good yeah that actually makes a whole lot of sense and and it's it's again cool to hear when someone has to do those trial and error kind of things because people always look for that one piece of advice that will help their deadlift or that one broad sweeping change that will make their deadlift that much better and it's not always the case and it's actually very rarely the case yeah very rarely it's definitely like because everybody is so different like somebody could have my proportions but their actual bone structure could be so different from mine that they can't do what i can do so it's really hard to just like give somebody an answer for like what they should do about 
their list it's just like so nuanced that you really just have to like keep trying different things and like yeah their lists are so finicky and like <laughs> it's just something that like like I know a couple people I have a friend who trains at the gym that I train at and she pulls conventional but she's just starting to pull sumo and she's like how the fuck do I get it to look like yours I'm like I don't even know if that's going to happen ever, you know? Like, it's not the same for everybody. She has really long limbs, too, but it's, like, it's just something you got to, like, work out on your own. So there's definitely some things that you can do that everybody can do, like, cue-wise, but it's going to look way different on everybody. So. Yeah, and very similar. I have people asking me if, if they should squat, uh, deadlifts and squat shoes. And I'm like, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should go as narrow as me. I don't think you should do any of these things. But yeah. people try to find that. Now I'm going to contradict myself right now. <laughs> technique tip. We do technique tip on two white lights a lot. What is the mm-hmm. best cue that you have in your arsenal that helps your – actually, any of the three lifts. Because sometimes it's a lift that you struggle at. Could also – one cue could really help you. Yeah. I actually think um... – for squat and deadlift, I would probably say my best cue, at least for myself, would be the same thing on both, which would be to, like, squeeze my armpits really hard. Um, Very which, good. Gang yeah, Sue Ryan had the same one. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, like, you're holding a pencil. The same yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. If you were, like, if you were holding something in your armpit, just, like, if you're trying to, like, break it, whatever it is, like a pencil, you're trying to snap it in half with your armpits, you know? Um, I just try to squeeze my armpits down as hard as I can. Even in the squat, my my arms or my hands are like pretty narrow on the bar, so that helps a lot. Um, it's maybe not necessarily the same if you have a really wide grip on squats because you can't actually physically like pull your armpit like together. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure like it would the cue would then activate what you need to use to do it. But definitely for, I wouldn't say that for bench, though. <laughs> but for squat and deadlifts, that would be my cue, just squeeze your armpits as hard as you possibly can. Um, that helps me with the squat create, like, a better rack position on my back because I'm a small person, so the bar would probably roll off if I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And um, it also just helps me keep my elbows straight down because the problem of mine used to be flaring my elbows backwards, and that definitely led to some issues with my upper back. So there's that, and then for, like, doing that in the deadlift, I think it just helps me maintain my torso position, Um, because you obviously don't want, you want it to be rigid, you don't want your torso to bend or move at all, like, when you're pulling, especially sumo. So, yeah, it just helps me keep my whole torso braced and in one position, and then I can just straighten my arms out while in that position and just push with my legs, and from there it kind of, it's locks itself out <laughs> all right yeah i like that those are really good uh tips and i'm, I'm starting to see like a trend with like powerlifters having very similar tips and it's yeah uh, people listening who use this podcasting as an informal thing i don't know if you should but you do if you do awesome just please you know subscribe on itunes but um yeah it's like a mental note like if people are saying the same thing probably a really good tip yeah. that you should all follow yeah, and I feel like the thing about that, too, is a lot of times we're trying to say the same thing, but the cues, uh, the wording of the cues are a little bit different for everybody. Yeah. Like, I could say that in a completely different way, and it would click for somebody else. Like, 
it's just depending on that. I've seen that happen a lot where, like, one way you explain something, it just does not make sense at all. But if you just figure out a different, uh, like, word to use for it, then it could help somebody else that way. So it might be a lot of people saying, like, essentially the same thing but in different ways and then a million different people finally, like, understand it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, like, keeping your armpits tight, I would probably say keep your delts in your back pocket. You're technically doing the same thing. And when you you told me, I was like, oh. So then I was in my deadlift, like, trying to think of it. It helped. But I was like, I kind of almost already did that with my cue of keeping my delts in my back pocket. And that was Ed Cohen's uh, cue as well. So it's like, you're just, it's almost like a recycled kind of thing. Where, like, there was an original, but then someone comes up with a different cue. And those are, that's like a teaching habit. And that's like a teaching method is just describing it differently so other people can um, understand it. So thank you for that technique tip. I know we're running a little short on time, so I'm going to get to those two segments. Word association. I promise that I'm going to rephrase this segment because I think it's really uncreative, but I haven't yet, and I'm probably not going to do it because now we're five episodes in. I haven't done shit to it. So word association, I give you a word, and you give me the first word that comes to mind. All right, USAPL. Red, white, and blue. (laughs) Very patriotic of you. Yeah. IPF. International. Okay. USPA. Uh, Deadlift bar. Steroids and deadlift bar. In my opinion, (laughs) the most patriotic thing in the world is that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) they cross over, so. (laughs) The most patriotic federation? You just said red, white, and blue for USAPL? I don't know. If you got steroids in a deadlift bar, I think USPA is, <laughs> has got it covered. And 24-hour weigh-ins. Uh, <laughs> um, cutting. Lombard, Illinois. Uh, covered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like 12 <laughs> minutes away from it. I grew, I grew really? up like in that area, yeah. Okay. That's like yeah. my that was that was what our family did when we wanted to have fun. We would go to the Yorktown Mall. That was our spot. Oh my god. Yeah. Like okay. that was like, oh you guys want to do something weekend? Let's go to Yorktown Mall. Like yeah. yeah, that was it. It was a convenient spot though, I'll give them that. It was yeah. good with the Target. Yeah. Everybody wiped out the Target. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. I, I know right when I went into Target I was like Yeah. Alright, Instagram. Uh popular. Kanye. Terrible. <laughs> I And I'm not going to lie. All right, so that day where Kanye dropped his album, yeah, I scrolled through anything that I saw with that fucking blue album. Yeah. I just, I was on my phone, and you guys can't see because I'm on a podcast right now. Just, you know that thing <laughs> where you're just trying to skip through the next story? Yeah. Everything. all the time. But I, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I noticed, like, you also had that too. I'm like, I don't even know if she likes Kanye at this point. I'm just scrolling right through it because I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not watching another thing on Kanye. I don't even know if it's good. At this point in my life, I don't know if that album is good because I don't even know what I just scrolled through. Yeah, well, my word was terrible, so that's all you need to know about it. And uh. I wasn't going to listen. Now I'm definitely not going to listen. So yeah, you're good. Don't. yeah, I'll. Stick to my hipster Jimi Hendrix shirt and mustache <laughs> and just listen to music that was made in 50 years ago. It's fine. It works. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess it does. Just <laughs> you're horrible in conversations if you do that. Like I, I referenced Pauly Shore to Ricky Cho, and he didn't know who Pauly Shore was. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. Exactly. I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> I gotta stop saying things that people don't understand. Pauly Shore was in the '90s, and he's completely irrelevant now. And I'm like, oh, maybe my train. Like, I gotta get out of the '90s, even though I was like seven during the '90s. I just that's like all my memories. It's so weird. Yeah. All right. I think I had some other ones. Uh, beer. Favorite. Favorite? What's your favorite one? Oh fuck! I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't have a favorite beer. I'm the kind of person that will just try something new every time I like go to a different place. So, yeah, that's hard to say. There's a brewery here called Other Half. I really like their beers, um, but I wouldn't be able to pick just one brew. Okay. Do you ever decide something based on label? Yeah, actually a lot. Because um, I'm... That's what I do. <laughs> I don't know what this is. I just saw a coffee <laughs> thing. I like coffee, and it looks kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, that's all we really have to go like off of, because... There's nothing like you can't just taste it in the store or something if you're if you're getting a can of beer or something. But yeah, I definitely like to look at the labels. Usually, if it's a really cool label, the beer is like pretty good. I've noticed that. So <laughs> and like I'm really interested in that just because that's kind of like my whole career path anyway. I do graphic design, so if I see something really cool, I'm like, that's got to be good. Like they definitely like if it's a good beer, they're gonna find a person that can design something really nice for it. So. <laughs> Well, well, I did not know that, and that was a very, I'm going to not, that's a very millennial response of you, to just yeah. like, if, if the label's cool, I'm buying it, because I think, uh, you know, the the dude who does Bar Rescue? I think, yeah, yeah. Like, kind of the angry guy who's balding? Yeah, yeah. Like, Tafer John Tafer or something? He might, I don't know, I could fuck up his name. Yeah, but he said that, he said that with bars, it's like, the People now don't buy what's good. They buy what looks cool and what they can put on Instagram. So that's why craft beers and all that stuff do really well. Like the beers and I'm like the same person because, and it's stupid that I just asked you that question because I get really annoyed when people are like, what's your favorite beer? It's like, oh shit, I don't know because I don't remember what I just had because. And I can't pick. I can't pick one. And they're all called like Skeleton Key Locker at midnight or something. And I can't remember that. And yeah. I'm like, I don't even know if it was good or not. I just bought it because it said skeleton key. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> that so, sounds cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And Ar- Arrogant Bastard. That's when it always sticks in my mind. There's a beer oh, called yeah. Arrogant Bastard. Oh, actually, yeah. There's, um, I forgot what the brewery's called, but they have a, it's like these weird dog themed things and they have like a raging bitch <laughs> beer. Yeah. Uh, that you, really you will get a purchase. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, if you have that in an area that has, like, 21 through 29-year-olds. Or yeah. 35, 20, 21 through 35-year-olds. Yeah, I would definitely say it goes into the 30s at some point. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm slowly approaching, and I'm depressed. All right. <laughs> what are you going to do? This is, the mustache is a, a quarter-life crisis. So, all right, last one. We asked this to almost all of our guests. Most um, annoying things powerlifters say. So, cliches, something you see on the internet, something you see in the gym, something you see at competitions. What is that one, like, cliche that drives you crazy? God, that's hard. And this segment, 
makes people think the most, which is hilarious. But yeah, they really everybody. they dig so deep into their their mind that they because they, they don't want to. There's so many, and they don't want to fuck this up. So yeah, I feel like if I were to open up Instagram right now and scroll for like a minute, I would find find the one you know. But I don't want to do that. Speaking like... of that, that might be a good segment that I might just steal. Yeah? So that's, yeah. So we're both going to open our phones. I'm going to go through Instagram. <laughs> I'm going to see if something pisses me off. Yeah. I, I have this habit where uh, I'm, I'm so sorry if, like, somebody finds out now that I, like, unfollowed them and then mad at me for it. But, like, I have this habit where if I just see something that I don't like, I just unfollow immediately. Because I don't have, like, the mental energy to, like, keep looking at things that make me angry <laughs> so yeah i i do that a lot so sorry to anybody if i've done that to them or I'll, sometimes well, I, I mute people but <laughs> you know then they don't know but yeah that happened yeah. to me recently uh after raw nationals <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't know if i would be able to pinpoint a specific thing like a phrase that i can't stand but what i really can't stand is uh when people like specific things for like for like clout reasons like they will post whatever list they're doing and then be like this PR at RPE 8 and you watch it and you're like that is a 10 like that's not an 8 you know but they write 8 and it's like you could just post your PR and not put the RPE and nobody would care everyone would be like wow it's amazing but like you put the RPE on it like and it's just so like there's no other reason that you would do that other than, like, trying to, like, look super cool. So yeah. that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, RPE is a common one. I think we said that before. Uh, Garrett Fear, I think, had, he had, like, 75 of them. So I think that was one of 75 that pissed him <laughs> off. But, yeah, RPE. Like I would also do that. Yeah, RPE. If I would, like, actually list it, it would be a long list. <laughs> yeah, like, RPE add something, and it's not that. But you could have easily just took taken that out. And, yeah, clout to. I also hate when people take. A video every day of them taking pre-workout. Yes. Okay. You posted that recently. I forgot yeah. to fucking put that in the word association, but yeah. that is a good okay. one. Yeah. Doming doming pre-workout. Yeah. I mean, either that that or drinking it, whatever. Like, whatever it is. I'm like, I, we, I mean, a lot of us take pre-workout. I, I get it. It just You don't have to post it every day to, like, let us know that you're going to the gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're because you're probably going to. If you're all right, so if you're gonna make a video of you taking pre-workout, you're definitely the type of person to videotape your workout. Yeah. So just just do that one instead, because no yeah. one wants to see you drinking a. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I the dome, the dry dome. The yeah, the the doming pre-workout was getting irritating after a while. The doming challenge too started pissing yeah. me off. Um, yeah. Also, I just thought about this one because I kind of think of ones on because I have myself like seventy five of them. Um, taking a selfie of yourself and just said you killed it at the gym. I'm like, what? What? What is a selfie? Of, like, I didn't see any of the things you did at the gym. It's just yeah, your face now. I'm only looking at your face. You could have just not gone to the gym, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's how do I know? Like, that's yeah. There's, in my opinion, a 95 percent chance that you didn't even go. Yeah, and speaking of like, fan, I've seen any guys do this before, but when they post like a selfie in the first slide and then you can swipe and then actually see their lifts after because a selfie would definitely get more likes and attention than like a lifting video would yeah that's that is going to be 
because I don't unfollow people, and I think part of me likes to, like, it's like recreation, just to hate people, which is horrible. <laughs> like, that's a bad, that's I a know. bad personality trait, but um, it happens. <laughs> um, but that one, there, there is a, there is a threshold, and that is a probable hard unfollow. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I've done the same, so. All right. Definitely listen enough. <laughs> yeah, terrific. Yeah, terrific job with those last two segments there. I knew, I knew if I dug deeper, I was going to get uh, a good amount. So, yeah. thank you again for coming on the show. We would love to have you on again sometime, and good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a blast. And we are back. Thank you again for Sophia coming on the show. We would love to have you on again sometime, and that is going to do it again for Two White Lights. I promise you guys interviews. We are delivering interviews, and be on the lookout for another interview dropping Monday, and be prepared for two to three episodes a week. Uh, two White Lights topic is coming. I know we're supposed to talk about water cutting and that whole Two White Lights topic soon, but we have a lot of interviews that we got to get out of the way, and it's better to get them out of the way early rather than late. But Two White Lights topics are coming again. We will have special co-hosts or guest co-hosts come on the show to discuss certain topics as well but again that's going to do it for two white lights remember subscribe on itunes five star rate us leave a review unsubscribe resubscribe follow on spotify all that stuff helps reviews help ratings help positive ones of course feel free to do that on itunes and that's gonna do it for two white lights see you guys on monday peace